Alrighty, everybody. Good after Thursday afternoon on uh, the cusp of an expanded playoff uh, schedule this weekend where for the first time we have six games to open up the schedule and uh, we're excited about that. And uh, Wiz and I are excited to talk a little bit of fantasy football for the playoffs with you guys. Wiz, how are you today? I'm doing well, and uh, yeah, everybody uh, save the save the uh, Chiefs and Packers are uh, playing this uh, this weekend, and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of excitement, a lot of fun, uh, some uh, interesting uh, matchups, and uh, we're going to see how it plays out, and uh, you know, also we'll, we'll we'll certainly get into the point spreads and betting and player props and DraftKings line, DraftKings lineups, but I did happen to notice that there are a couple of quite sizable favorites uh, on the opening weekend uh, with some of these games. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But uh, I think for this podcast, we're just going to talk about uh, fantasy football players, uh, you know, the different formats and, uh, and, um, and how to go about them. And I think uh, it makes for an interesting conversation. And I've noticed that uh, it seems to be a lot more popular now, uh, you know, every league after the season is over, participating in in some format of uh, fantasy football playoffs. You know, it's kind of weird when you get to the end of the season, right? It's a little bit of, uh, you know, there's two teams left standing at the end of the season playing in the finale, right? Most, if you're in the, whatever, 10, 12, 14 team leagues, a lot of teams have been knocked out. They're, you know, they're more focused on kind of the holidays and stuff. And, you know, at the end of the day, there's only two teams standing at the, you know, at the face off uh, and square off for a championship. So, so some guys are still kind of jonesing for the action. And gals too, um, and, and this is a good way to do it. I, I think. I think with the with the with the six games over the weekend, you know, you can do some weekend situations as well, and we'll, we'll talk about that because we do uh, we do a, a supplemental draft, if you will. But look, the the fantasy and gambling aspect of football has gotten ever more expansionary. Uh, people are into it. People enjoy it. You know, we're going to talk DraftKings. We'll talk player props. We'll talk game lines. But I think that becomes a much more intense focus. And, and you know, we, we don't have to focus on 12 to 15 games. We're just focusing on six games this weekend. And, yeah, some interesting matchups. And, uh, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about strategies and kind of how the way we think about uh, fantasy f- football playoffs because obviously you are betting on your players playing a- an extended period of time and and once in a while e- even teams and, and in this case there, there's only one team in each league that's going to be getting bye weeks so potentially if, if teams playing this week there, there's a potential to play up to four games and that kind of becomes part of your strategy in terms of trying to figure out the path to the finals of the to the Super Bowl and, and if you can pick the right teams that get get that far and the players that actually perform even you know again even if they play one or two games you want to play players that are going to be out outperforming in terms of uh from a fantasy perspective yeah i think the 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 most interesting decision that comes up when you're participating in fantasy football playoffs in other words when you're doing a draft that's for the entire playoff run. You're not just doing the games this weekend, which is one that we're doing in addition to, you know, all the other stuff. But for the most part, you know, when you participate in it, it's for the entire playoffs. So with that being said, the most interesting decision that has to be made is like, who do you value more? Like a really elite 
you know, receiver. You know, I mean, I don't know if he's a, he's not really a top five or seven guy. I'm just giving an example here. Like a guy like Allen Robinson on the Bears, who is clearly better than the other examples I'm about to give. I mean, Allen Robinson in a normal draft would be taken ahead of like a Sammy Watkins or even, a, you know, a Valdez Scantling on the Packers. But when it comes to this format, how do you weigh a better receiver on a team that may be one and done? Well, you know, they could upset, and if they do upset you, you're, you're golden there where you're getting a really terrific receiver uh, probably for a cheap price because he's probably not considered likely to play more than one game versus a Sammy Watkins or an Emmanuel Sanders, teams that are on um, – players that are on teams that are more likely to play more than one game. How, how do you go about the thinking behind that? Well, look, I think there's been, uh, there's a, there's a few ways to do it. You know, trying to pick those upsets. I would say last year in, in that playoff game where I don't think Kirk Cousins had won a playoff game yet for his career. Uh, I don't think many people were valuing Minnesota Viking players squaring off, going down to New Orleans, playing against the Saints, and they weren't holding that as a likelihood of, of, of the Vikings advancing. And as good as players like Adam Thielen, you know, at the time Stephen Diggs was a, was a, was a Viking, uh, Dalvin Cook, but those players were certainly not getting drafted as high as the New Orleans Saints players. And lo and behold, if you, if you actually decided that you were going to jump on the Minnesota Viking bandwagon going into a fantasy football playoff draft, uh, you, you were a big beneficiary of that. I do try to, you know, kind of lay out the schedule first and take a look at the schedule. And I try to predict how I think the games are going to go. That That's kind of the first step that I take. Look at the schedule, look at the brackets, and see kind of how things will evolve in my eyes. And that probably kind of determines the path that I'm going to take in terms of drafting. And I think to, to the point I just made, uh, I do try to see if I can pick an upset. And I think um, a friend of ours did this last year as well, our friend Term, where I think he hitched his wagon last year to the Tennessee Titan bandwagon. Uh, and the Titans ended up, you know, going to the conference final uh, and, and playing, you know, they played wild card weekend. They got three games out of them and getting a guy like Derrick Henry during the playoffs last year w- was a great thing. And, you know, to, you mentioned Allen Robinson, but you got a decision to make this week. You got the Titans going up against against the Ravens. You know, are the Titans going to play one game, or are they going to make a run like like last year? So, I think looking at the schedule is, is probably paramount for me and trying to determine the path. And then again, if I have a strong view on on some of these underdogs in these games, or, or a team that I feel strongly is going to play at least two and perhaps three games, that's kind of the direction that I will go in in terms of players that I'm going to focus on. Yeah, you know, I I think, you know, we do different types of formats, right? Um, Some are snake drafts where you're just going up and down, up and down, up and down. And then some are auctions where there's no position eligibility that's in place where, you know, you're drafting 10 or 12 players and you could have 10 kickers, you could have 10 tight ends, you could have five defenses and, and five quarterbacks or six and six, as many players as your league is drafting. And I think that's the, that, that to me is the, the one that is the most entertaining and most fun because uh, the, the, the structure of having to pick a quarterback, I mean, I just think, you know, after a while, um, it's not as fun as the free-for-all where all players are available, all position eligibilities are available, and 
knowing your league scoring system is extremely crucial or whatever your league scoring system is going to be using for the playoffs is extremely uh, crucial for that. And uh, I think that that is the most uh, fun because you want to have really a shot at everybody. And uh, when you're doing it auction style with no position eligibility, it really lends itself to uh, being much more entertaining. Yeah, and you, know, you mentioned scoring systems. So uh, in, in almost all the leagues that I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing a couple of leagues, we are just utilizing the scoring system that we, we use during the season. So it's, it's the same implementation of that scoring system. Uh, you, you could potentially, because we're using a different site actually to, to draft. Uh, we're using a site called RT Sports to do it. So it's an online auction. Unfortunately, this year with COVID, we're not going to be able to get together in person. So we'll be doing an online auction and that's the way it's going to work. I've been in other drafts. So we did one, uh, Wiz and I, where it was a smaller draft, you know, 10 team league. Uh, where we pick six different players. You pick a kicker, you pick a defense, you pick a tight end, running back, uh, uh, wide receiver, and a quarterback. I've done other leagues where, uh, well, this year it's different because there's 14 teams in the playoffs, but I've done other drafts where you pick one player from every team. So it's a in the past, because of 12 teams in the playoffs, you have 12 positions that you're drafting, and you can only take one player from one team. So you'll, you'll be representing each of the teams that were involved in the playoffs. So there are many different formats. Like, like, like Wiz said, you can do a snake draft, uh, auction drafts, all, all different kinds of ways to do it. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's be inventive, be ingenious, and, and really try to con- continue to play on what you did during the season. It's still going to be just as much fun. The competition, the competitive juices are still there. And that's what we're trying to do. And, uh, and, and we've done it for years. And, and we have a fun time doing it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm in one, um, I'm in one where, you know, every 14, you have to draft 14 players and, you you know, you have to send your lineup in and that's for the entire playoffs. I think it's two quarterbacks, two defenses, and then four, yeah, two, two, yeah, and then like four, yeah, two, two quarterbacks, two defenses is four, um, Four running backs, four wide receivers is twelve, and then and then one um, one kicker and one tight end for fourteen. So you're using everybody, and then I'm using, and then I'm in another league where you pick a lineup for every round of the playoffs. But then after you use the player, the player is not available to you anymore. So it's kind of like a combination of fantasy football player meets survival football survivor football where you only have a, you know using the player once which is interesting but you know i was thinking about the i think the format i don't know if you would agree with this but i think the most the format that most people use is a simple snake draft where it's kind of like eight players or something eight to ten players where it's one quarterback two running backs, maybe uh, two receivers is five, a tight end, a flex, a kicker, maybe a defense. You know, something like that between eight and ten players uh, where it's a snake format. Do you think most playoff drafts use the snake format? Yeah, most will. I I think you have options to add in terms of size of rosters this year because we have 14 teams 
uh, in the quote-unquote tournament uh, this year. Uh, but, yeah, it seems to me that the, the snake draft is still kind of that popular uh, form of doing fantasy uh, as much as you and I, I love the auction format, and it kind of introduces a completely different strategy. But, yeah, most people are going to be doing snake-type drafts. And, uh, you know, again, I think you have the ability with 14 teams to, to, to be expansionary in terms of your roster size uh, because we're going to basically be getting, uh, you know, you're going to get all these games, you know, uh, as a result this weekend, you, you're getting extra football games and, you, and you're getting extra action. So you might as well take part in it uh, as a result. You know, I, I don't know. Again, we have not talked about this at all. And uh, we're not we're not going to be doing this type of draft in any format where we're doing a snake draft for all the playoffs. We're doing an auction draft for all the playoffs, and then we're doing a snake draft just for the games this weekend. But if you're in a snake draft for the entire playoffs, and I, I was thinking about this earlier, I don't know if you agree with this or disagree or haven't thought about it or whatever, but I think... Looking at the entire playoffs, considering everything, the positions, I think there's a real strong case to be made that Travis Kelsey should be the number one player taken in an overall snake draft for the players. And is he going to accumulate as many points as Pat Mahomes, or Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers? Probably not. But looking at it, it's clear to me that at any position in the fantasy football playoffs, by a mile, the biggest drop-off is Travis Kelsey to the next tight end. And I have a lot of respect for Robert Tanyan and Mark Andrews. But, again, we haven't talked about this, but do you agree, one, that there's a case to be made for Kelsey to be the number one overall pick, and two, that looking at all the positions – in the fantasy football playoffs, that clearly the biggest drop-off is a tight end from Kelsey to the next grouping. Yeah, you know, so I would argue there's not a tremendous amount of differentiation at the quarterback position. Uh, you know, I, I, once you get away from the top four or five guys, I think they're kind of lumped in together and they can equally produce. But I, I, I think, to your point, with Kelsey, they're, they're just... And again, no disrespect to players that are out there, but you know, you, you removed the player from Darren Waller with the Las Vegas Raiders not being there. Um, but the likelihood that the Kansas City Chiefs, with a bye week, uh, are you know are going to repeat to get to the Super Bowl are probably pretty good at this point in time. Uh, we know how well the player and how consistent the player has been. And 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 you you do see quite a significant drop off when it comes from Kelsey to the next person. And I think when I looked at receivers and I looked at running backs, you know, there's a lot of interesting players and a lot of interesting options. You know, let's look at a player like Jonathan Taylor. Look, I think the Indianapolis Colts can go into Buffalo and beat the Buffalo Bills. Uh, maybe a lot of other people don't feel that way, but I think that's a, a possibility. Uh, I know Jonathan Taylor's probably playing as well as any running back in the league right now. Um, you know, the chances that he gets taken really high with a pick are, are probably pretty low because right now everybody's kind of piled on the Buffalo Bills bandwagon. The Buffalo Bills are pre- playing the best football uh, out there right now. Uh, so a player like as good as Jonathan Taylor's been playing, he's a little bit diminished in, in, in a draft right now. But yeah, I 100% agree with you. In fact, I was faced with the exact option uh, in, in a draft that we did uh, where I had the third pick in the draft. The first two guys took uh, who they thought the best two quarterbacks were, 
And I took Travis Kelsey because for the exact reason that you um, illustrated, I, I felt that there was a significant drop-off in the position and the fact that I think the Chiefs have a very good opportunity to get back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and I, I saw that you took Kelsey. I mean, the way that this league works, it is like the, the guy who has the lead. So I ended up with the second amount of points in the league, and it's a 10-team league in this particular league. So I ended up picking ninth for not the, only the first round. I ended up picking ninth at every single round. And the reason why I'm mentioning that is because even from the ninth spot, I had a strategy. So while everyone else, with the exception of you, picked quarterback, quarterback, you and Kelsey, then quarterback, like it didn't seem – that it would make sense to me from a strategic standpoint to keep picking the ninth best player. Like if I keep doing that, I'm going to pick the seventh or eighth best quarterback. And then the next round is going to be a running back run. And I'm going to be picking the seventh or sixth or eighth best running back. And that's going to happen. No. So in the first quarterback, it was, it was littered with quarterbacks, you took Kelsey, and I believe Devontae Adams was taken, maybe Diggs and Tyree Kill as well. And then from at the ninth spot, I said, what am I going to do? I'm not taking Russell Wilson or one of these other quarterbacks that are available. I took Kamara. And that was my strategy from the ninth spot is, well, everyone else is picking a certain position. They seem to be following along, like follow the leader. From the ninth spot, I was picking a different thing. I started the defensive run. Uh, I started uh, the the Kamara was the first running back taken. So that was my strategy. But I, if I was in the third spot, I would have done exactly what you did and taken Kelsey with that third spot instead of picking the third or fourth best quarterback uh, in every single round. And, and when I like I said, I took a close look uh, at the running back and wide receiver positions. Um, I did feel that there was a lot of depth at those positions. I did have a view on a couple of teams in terms of what I thought was going to happen in, you know, could I get two or three games out of this particular player? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, when I look at, when I look at uh, a, a few of these games, uh, and, and that will be my determination as well this weekend, you know, I've got a little bit of a, a, an inkling that this team may, you know, move a little bit further, and I tried to draft with, with that strategy in mind. And when we do our draft on Saturday morning, uh, you know, the larger draft that we do, you know, I'm going to try to get – look, you're not going to be able to get all Kansas City Chiefs. You're not going to be able to – you know, if you think the Chiefs are going to the playoffs, it's just not – especially if you're an auction draft, you're not getting all the Chief players. There's going to be a higher value – uh, that's placed on the likelihood of teams advancing to the Super Bowl. So you look, you look at who you think is going to be those teams. You know, right now the one seeds are, are probably going to be the most highly valued. I think probably very closely followed by a team like the Buffalo Bills. I think the NFC is, is more complicated. Um, to me, uh, the the AFC is a little bit clearer. But I think the NFC is going to be a, tri a very tricky conference to predict who actually makes it to the Super Bowl because I could see it going a bunch of different ways. At least that's my view as I sit here right now. Yeah, I mean, I think a couple of interesting things, um, you being a little bit more specific, um, is the Cleveland situation where, you know, maybe you'd have a little bit more confidence that they could win the game at Pittsburgh. The teams, you know, uh, are close even though – Pittsburgh seems to kind of have their number. I mean, they demolished them at home with all the starters. Then they missed key guys, and they still almost won the game at Cleveland last week. So I'm wondering, like, 
with the Stefanski situation going on, as great as we think Nick Chubb is, and then the other guys could follow suit, Kareem Hunt, uh, Baker Mayfield, Landry, Higgins, you know, uh, uh, Hooper as well. Do all of those guys take a step back in your mind in value because of what happened with Stefanski? Yeah, yeah. I think there's three teams that are kind of facing difficult situations as they come into the playoffs. And, and you know, we'll get a little specific here. So you mentioned the Browns. I, I don't like the fact that the coach isn't going to be around. They're missing a couple of players as a result of COVID as well. So I don't like that one. Um, it's looking like the Washington Redskins um, are not going to have the Alex. Oh, sorry. Yep, Washington football team. I apologize. Chris Collinsworth did that on Sunday as well. Uh, so yeah. I, I, I also making that mistake here today. Um, but the Washington football team looks like they're not going to have Alex Smith in this, at least starting in this particular game. Uh, you know, I, I know uh, Antonio Gibson's banged up still. We know the Patriots are playing well. So that's another team, which I, I think they're kind of up against it. And I'm not sure what's going to happen with the Rams here. And I know the Seahawks have kind of been a little bit sluggish at the end of the season here. But which direction is going to go here? It looks like Goff is trying to play in this football game. How effective he's going to be with that thumb injury. He had the surgery. I don't know. What is he going to be wearing on that hand? So I think those are three of the teams that come into this weekend with some challenges to kind of move forward. And, you know, to me, those are the most obvious three. Maybe maybe you have another one in mind. But those three teams seem to be up against it, like I said, um, you know, coming up into the, into the playoff weekend. I mean, yeah, I, I, without the coach and the flow, we talked about this in the podcast we did the other day, you know, it's going to make it difficult, I think. I think the Rams situation is a little different. I think the Rams feel like, they may be a better team than the Seahawks or certainly as good as a team as the Seahawks. And if they just don't mistake, make mistakes, they could win that game and they have an elite defense as well. So I think that that situation is, is, is interesting to monitor. And I'll tell you, um, there's things at stakes for, for some of these specific players, I think. Like, I think this is more than just a playoff game for someone like Mitch Trubisky, um, in the sense that, you know, this is where the rubber meets the road for Mitch Trubisky, I think. Like, yeah, they got themselves back, and he's been playing well. But now on the road against an elite team with an elite defense, is he going to be perceived as a quarterback who has really turned the corner and the Bears are going to go with confidence as him as a starter? Or is he going to play a poor game and uh, those games going to be chalked up to playing against bad teams, which they kind of were at the end. They played one good team, the Packers, and they kind of got beat handily at home. And, you know, Mitch Trubisky is going to be viewed as more of like, you know, a career NFL backup, if you will. So, you know, what do you think is at stake? Do you think this is for the career of a Mitch Trubisky? You know, this is kind of like a big turning point game for him. And the Bears are going to kind of be looking at this game, um, you know, unlike with the Jets with Sam Donald, there's no playoffs and they're going to make a decision. But this is a playoff game and the Bears think that they have the personnel to be a, a playoff team. And, uh, you know, what do you think this game means for someone like Mitch Trubisky going forward? Yeah, so I'll say this. Uh, th they finally figured out a way to use that running back in David Montgomery. Uh, it, 
I, I know they, the level, uh, the caliber of teams that they were playing at the end of the season uh, that certainly was not a vigorous schedule until they came up against the Green Bay Packers. And I'll tell you what, the Packers have started to get to the point where, um, you know, their secondary is actually playing good football and they've been stopping some elite receivers. Uh, and we saw that to Allen Robinson. Darnell Mooney was the guy that produced this past weekend. Um, but Allen Robinson, you know, he was complaining earlier in the year. You know, we, I don't think that the Bears necessarily want to lose a player like that. I think Allen Robinson is probably one of the more underrated wide receivers out there. Uh, you know, he's a gifted player. So it's it's a big game. There will be a few fans in the stands for the New Orleans Saints. So there will be a little bit of noise in, in that Superdome. Uh, but I think Mitch Trubisky has gained some confidence. I, I think this run has really helped them out a little bit here. It seems to be a little bit more synergy between him and Matt Nagy. I, you know, look, Matt Nagy hasn't exactly endorsed this player in the past. So, so it's a tricky one. And especially, look, this is a player that was taken, look, the Bears moved up in the draft ahead of Watson, ahead of Mahomes to take this player. So, you know, there's a lot of history here. But I think, I think kind of like Kirk Cousins last year in, in the playoffs where he's never kind of got the monkey off his back. It's kind of a similar situation. The funny thing is it's going to be taking place in the same stadium. So, yes, a big game. I actually I actually think the Bears are going to make this one competitive um, because I, I, know that, I know the Saints had a, a big win last week in terms of point spread winning. But, you know, generally speaking, the, 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 the Saints have been a funny team, you know, over the second half of the season. Uh, you know, they got Drew Brees back late. They're going to get Mike Thomas back, so that will certainly help. But these are two good defenses going at it as well. But I, I think this is a very similar situation to last year with Kirk Cousins. That's what I would say. So, yeah, his future, maybe not with the Bears, maybe with another team. But, but Kirk Cousins, like Kirk Cousins last year, I think Mitch Trubisky has a lot to prove in this particular contest. Yeah, I mean, one last thing on the Saints before I, I move on to another player and of another team is that I, I would say the Saints probably have not played three full games with Breeze, Kamara, and Mike Thomas all in the lineup. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if they could get that offense really rolling and ready to, you know, eventually maybe go into Green Bay weather and win a game on the road and uh, they may be uh, you know more equipped to do that with their defense this year but concerned a little bit about Drew Brees playing that but they certainly need both Kamara and Mike Thomas to be at full strength and then the other guy that I just want to talk about for a few minutes that I think is so interesting coming into these playoff drafts is a player that has much more weight on his shoulders that I believe than Mitch Trubisky. And that's Lamar Jackson, who has, you know, failed last year as a big home favorite in the playoffs. And this year they're playing better, but he's trying to get that monkey off his back with a playoff win. What do you think the psyche is of Lamar Jackson specifically? And what does this game mean playing a playoff game, you know, you, you don't like the idea of a 24-year-old, I think he just turned 24 years old today, matter of fact, or in the next couple of days, you know, you don't want to say that uh, something could get to the psyche of a 24-year-old player where it's going to really set him back, but what do you think this means in terms of the psyche of Lamar Jackson and the Ravens going forward with the I finally being able to get the money off the back, and I saw an interesting stat that John Harbaugh has not won a playoff game since 2012. That is a long, long time 
for a team that has probably had a good team most of those years to go without winning a game. So talk a little bit about what do you think this is in the psyche of Lamar Jackson and the Ravens and John Harbaugh. So it's kind of funny. If you remember back, you know, kind of when Joe Flacco was still, you know, a member of the Baltimore Ravens, it looked like uh, Harbaugh was coaching for his life, actually, in, in Baltimore, as much as, you know, he had, he, he had, he had won a Super Bowl there. Um, but it had gotten to the point where the, the team was, just looked horrible. Um, it, when they initially put uh, Jackson in at quarterback, um, it, you know, there was some interesting games that he had, but overall he couldn't pass the football, uh, really struggled. You remember that game, you remember what the Chargers did to him uh, in 2018 in that playoff game, uh, you know, basically rendered him useless. Uh, and, and, obviously, and obviously last year, the disappointment where, where they, you know, he ended up really, he had a good production game in terms of stats, but but that game was gone and, and, and blown away uh, before he was able to kind of do much. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's both of these guys, uh, like I said, uh, are kind of tied together. Um, I think the Ravens are playing fun football right now. I think Lamar Jackson's extremely confident since he's come back from COVID. He looks terrific. Um, I, I question, I really do question this defense being able to stop the Ravens right now. Uh, I think the I think this this Tennessee Titan defense is much worse than it was last year, and I mean much worse. They cannot stop anyone. Um, so I think this is a very challenging situation for the Titans personally, uh, and I think Lamar Jackson and this team has a lot of confidence. J.K. Dobbins, uh, you know, looks better and better each and every week. We're starting to get Marquise Brown produced again. So. Uh, I think there's confidence, and I think they're playing fun put football, and I think the Ravens think they can beat anybody right now. That's that's kind of my mindset. That, you know, I, I think next to the Bills, you know, second hottest team coming into the playoffs. Yeah, I think a lot of teams could be confident, but how confident will their defense be when Derrick Henry starts running downhill on them? Um, he has the ability, and that offensive line has the ability to take away that confidence and take away your heart. And in Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown, that's probably the most physical one-two punch at running back and wide receiver in the National Football League. Matter of fact, I would say it's probably the biggest by a, by a large amount of physicality of running back and wide receiver. And both of those two guys really took the heart out of the Ravens in Baltimore early this year. And I'm just wondering what happens if the Titans get on top of them and you get two things happening in the game that you don't want happening. One, you get Derrick Henry starting to run downhill, carry after carry after carry. And two, Lamar Jackson has to resort to getting them back in the game with the passing game because you saw what Vrabel did last year, and I guarantee it's going to be the same thing, is he is going to dare Lamar Jackson to throw from the pocket. They're going to put a very methodical pass rush, stay in their lanes, and make him beat them from the pocket if the Titans get on top of them. So that'll be interesting. Of all the games in the if this weekend, where it's so crucial to get on top and be leading in the scoreboard, this game more than any other game, because both teams are absolutely elite playing with the lead, and both teams do not want to play from behind, where on one side, Lamar Jackson has to become a pocket passer, and then on the other side, 
Derrick Henry is not getting carry after carry after carry. So um, I think it's an interesting game, and uh, we're going to see which team defensively can kind of like do something to stop the other team. That's that's where it's going to be at, and I think uh, the most interesting game of the weekend is the Titans and Ravens. You know, the funny thing is with these two football teams, right? I I, I look at other games, you could see kind of them playing out perhaps in different ways, but we know what the Ravens do well, and we know what the Titans do well. And I don't think there's a lot of mystery around kind of how, how these teams want to attack, attack offensively. Uh, and I don't think they're going to be a lot. I don't think there's going to be a lot of devi- deviation from kind of what the mindset is. Uh, so to, to you know to what you were saying, you know both of these teams want to play from ahead, uh, and they're both going to be going at it. So it'll be quite interesting to see how it actually does play out. Uh, but I agree with you. Best game of the weekend, at least on paper, uh, and in terms of the caliber of the two teams. Uh, that we have for this uh, for this upcoming weekend. Yeah, one, one, just one last thing about that game that that I think is going to be a key in the game is I know, you know, from each side, you know, you talk about Derrick Henry running and the other side, Lamar Jackson running. But I've been watching the Titans very, very carefully, and Tannehill is taking off on keeping the ball on some of those fakes to Henry, and he is a very very good running quarterback and can hurt you with chunks and chunks of yards. And you saw him take off by like, I think a 30 or 40 yard touchdown run against green Bay. And I think that is something that the Titans quietly have been utilizing more and more. I think you're going to see a lot more of it uh, in their playoff game against the Ravens as well. You know, I'd say this about Tannehill, pro- probably the most underrated, uh, you know, player at the, at the position in the NFL right now, uh, the, 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 the level of efficiency that he has played at uh, the last year and a half. Very little mistakes with the football. High production. You mentioned the running. Big plays down the field, off the play action. Uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan Tannehill has just been a remarkable, remarkable story for the Tennessee Titans. I've got a great stat for you. Ryan Tannehill has taken over 20 the last 26 games he's played for the Titans since he took over. In those 26 games, the over has come in 21 the under is coming four and one game a push. 21, four, and one going over on Titan games since Ryan, Hill, Ryan Tannehill has taken over the quarterback. <laughs> that's a remarkable statistic. Yeah, that's that's very impressive. Very impressive indeed. But, yeah, so anyway, so Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, make sure you get out there and do a fantasy football playoff draft. We'll be coming back to you tomorrow night with our love him and leave him and our, and our picks for the game. Excited to talk about that and uh, lots of fun. Uh, so enjoy the evening, Wiz. Uh, we'll look forward to talking to tomorrow uh, about kind of the picks for the weekend, okay? Yeah, you do the same. All right, excellent.